What's up, everyone? Justin here, at JustinODFW on Instagram. Welcome to the Saturday is Dadderday podcast. Each week, I interview everyday dads, and sometimes moms, about their unique experiences, struggles, and successes as parents, significant others, and just plain adults. I also weave in interviews with industry experts in fields that intersect a dad's life. Need help picking out a new bottle of bourbon? We've got you covered. Have a question on how to finally get your kids to brush their teeth? Check. Want your lawn to be bulletproof for the upcoming winter? You get the idea. So, if you're looking to laugh, hear some great stories of parenthood and adulthood, and pick up a few tips along the way, such as what knives you actually need in your kitchen, or a better way to light a cigar, then you've come to the right place. Thanks for listening, and remember, Saturday is Datterday. What's up, everyone? Welcome into the Saturday is Dadderday podcast. We're going to take a break from our normal interviews with dads. I've got a great episode, super interesting. I sit down with a woman named Abby Marks Beal. She is a speed reading expert, among other things. And we chat about speed reading, time management, productivity, some really interesting stuff. And I also share with her my revolutionary idea that's going to change the world. So you don't want to miss that. Without any further ado, and since today's episode is about speed and time management, let's hurry up and get to the interview. So Abby, I came across your name as I was doing research for topics for my podcast that I thought would be really fun and interesting to talk to people about and to share with other dads. And ever since I was a little kid, one topic that's totally random that always really intrigued me was the idea of speed reading. And the reason why is because when I was a kid, I was never really much of a reader. I liked to read articles and magazines, but with the exception of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and a couple other Jules Verne novels, I was never really that into books. And that sort of translated through my adult life where I enjoy reading now online articles and things like that, but I'm not really much of a bookworm. But when I was a kid, a family friend of ours, their father was a doctor and he was able to speed read incredibly fast and I used to watch him do that and just have his finger go down the page flip down the next page flip and I remember just being mesmerized by that as a kid thinking what is he doing how is that even possible to retain that information Uh, so that sort of what always kind of kept that in the back of my mind and then I'm doing research I come across your name as someone who is not only an expert in speed reading but other topics which we'll talk to so I'm curious if you could sort of share with our audience how that came to be and how speed reading and some of the other areas that you're expert in that we'll talk about later, how some of those kind of became a part of your life. Sure. Um, And I'm happy to to share the story. It's actually on my website too. But basically, I was someone who used to hate to read when I was in high school and college. It was not something I enjoyed doing at all. And it wasn't until after college, you know, four years of suffering, (laughs) I thought it was, um, that I qualified for this job because I had a degree where they actually trained me to travel and to teach kids in private schools how to do speed reading and study skills. So when I took the job, I had no idea what it was. They just said, you know, have a a liberal arts degree, be willing to travel, we will train you. And I'm like, I'll do it, whatever it is. And then I found out it was about reading. I went, oh, really? (laughs) You know, 
but then I, I did, I worked with them for two and a half years. And not only did I help a lot of the students that I worked with, but then I also realized that not only do students need this, but so do older, you know, people need it as well, be it college students or be it uh, professionals. And so that was the beginning of my career with speed reading. And that was in 1988 was when I decided to actually, you know, launch my own company. And so, um, so now what I do, it has morphed over the years, you know, with technology and, you know, training, I, I still do some in-person training, obviously not now with COVID, but um, now I do more webinars, but I do a lot of uh, hands-on training, but I've also taken everything that I've done over the years and created an online course because I would get people like from Texas, I live in Connecticut, and they would call and say, you know, when are you coming to Texas? We want a course. I'm like, uh, you can't afford for me to come down to Texas to do a course. <laughs> and so I would get these calls and, and emails from all over the place. And it was like, why not put this thing online? Um, so that's kind of what I did was I just took everything I've done and I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of effort to put it onto a platform. It's on what's called a learning management system called an LMS. And it's delivered, you know, directly to an individual when they purchase it. And, the, and it really walks somebody through my process of how do you relearn how to read better and more efficiently. So that's pretty much how I do it. Plus, I have some books um, that are out there that people can read. As well. Yes, yes. I saw that you have a bunch of books that you've written over your professional career, which is fantastic. And when I noticed that, I also noticed that speed reading is one of the topics that you're an expert in. But there's also a handful of others, and I see that you kind of entered this adjacent uh, territory with your with your career as it relates to productivity and time management, and you became an expert in that. And I'm curious to know what the genesis of that was. Was that partly informed by your previous experience as you were going through and learning how to become a speed reader, or just sort of what, what was the beginning of that for you? Well, yes, actually what it was, was after my speed reading classes, people would send me, this is great, Abby. Do you do anything with email? And this was in, in the late nineties when email was really coming into people's purview. And they were like, I, I'm having a hard time with it. And I was like, what's the problem with email? You know? And so I would find out and I would do my study and figure out what is it that people need to know and how to manage their email. And then it was like, well, time management. I was very in intrigued myself in how to become better at time management. So then I learned about time management and I do workshops on time management. And then it was about, you know, work-life balance. It's the, you know, how do you get that? How do you, how do you be happy, be productive, you know, have a family, have uh, a career and still kind of have that balance. And so I also worked on that. So it was like productivity with work-life balance. And I've, I haven't done as much of that uh, anymore. And I'll just share that the reason is, is that I have become something called a homeopath, which is um, a natural medicine healer. I'll give it that. And so I spend half of my time doing my speed reading business and half of my time being a homeopath. And I absolutely love both of them, so I'm not letting go of either one. <laughs> um, but both of them require a lot of reading in order to keep up with both of the professions. Oh, I'm sure they both require a lot of time. Now, specifically as it relates to speed reading, that's something that I can start doing at my leisure when I'm reading topics or books that I enjoy for for fun on my own free time. But what about if I'm at work? If If I'm at work and I'm slugging through the day and I'm trying to get through emails or long proposals for customers or whatever the topic may be, can I apply those speed reading techniques in that type of a scenario? Or is there a risk of 
hey, if I do that, I'm going to be missing out on some of the key details because I might zoom past them as I'm speed reading. So what basically my, my philosophy is, is that everyone has a built-in stick shift. And so if you think of a five, five gears, like on a car or a bicycle, that most people are stuck in the slower gears of one and two because they haven't learned how to go into the faster gears of three, four, and five. And so when I first started out teaching speed reading, people thought, and then I learned that they thought this, that they're supposed to read fast all the time just because they know how. And I eventually realized like, no, 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 it's about being able to shift your gears according to what you're reading, why you're reading it, what you need it for. And so um, it's really about knowing when you can and what you should do to get the most out of the material you have in front of you. Okay. Okay. So now if I'm learning how to speed read and I'm in a professional setting, and like I said, I'm going through my emails, I'm reading a proposal for a customer, that 20 pager that we talked about, and I'm in gears one and two, when would be the appropriate time that I would be able to shift into a higher gear without feeling like I'm risking losing some critical information, when would I need to slow down to that first and second gear again? What would be the best way for me to apply those techniques? Right. So when I talk about speed reading, I want to make sure that I'm clear or that everyone else is clear of what I talk about with speed reading. When you and I were just initially talking, you were talking about, I guess, someone who was like literally like going right down a page very quickly, going to the next page quickly, flipping the page, yep. and they were quote unquote speed reading, right? So speed, that is the, the vision of what people think speed reading is. But I have kind of my own definition, which is that speed reading is a set of active, mindful, and conscious strategies that help you get what you need quickly and efficiently from any kind of reading material. Yeah, basically that's it. So you're finding the most important information as quickly as you can, as efficiently as you can, but also in a way that you are active, mindful, and conscious. See, most people, they're not, they're passive, mindless, and unconscious when they read. They're just like, oh, here it is. <laughs> let, me just, let me just put my eyeballs on the words, and therefore I'm reading. And there's so much more that a person can do to make it a more active, mindful, and conscious experience. Okay. And so if you're starting out in this, so let's say you're reading a proposal, right? And this is something that's in your field, so you're familiar with it. There's probably some things that you're looking for in that proposal, you want to know what your responsibility is, what the other person's responsibility is. And so you start thinking to yourself, what do I need to look for in this? And then it's also about putting yourself in an appropriate place. This sounds simple, but most people don't think about this, that when you're actually doing reading, you have to be somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted. And yeah. most, people, most people read in places that they're going to be interrupted, like at your desk where the computer is, where the phone is. Uh, where your kids are, whatever. It's like, if you really want to get to good reading, you have to put yourself in a concentrating environment. And I know that sounds sounds simple, and it really is, but most people don't think about that, that, that whatever you do, that's like the first thing you got to do is get yourself sure, into Sure, put yourself in the right environment. In the right environment, you know? Um, and right now it's a challenge for people to be at home because there's a lot going on at home. But if you can go into a separate room, close the door, tell people, you know, I'm in a conference for an hour, yep. or, you know, leave me alone. I need to get my work done. Um, and you're sitting upright at a desk or table. There's not a lot of clutter that you're, you know, not too comfortable, but comfortable enough. It's like you're working. That's really what it's about. And then from there, by applying what's called an overview process. So this material that you're reading 
you want to take a look at it. Like, how long is it? Is there an outline to it? Is there some, are there sections that I probably want to spend more time on versus other things? And then you get into the meat of it and then you start using it once you're skilled, different strategies. I talk about something called reading keywords or phrases or combinations of both. It's also about being able to use your hands or a white card to read with to help keep your place and to force your concentration. So these are all the things that people do not think about until they're trained in the things that I teach them. But it's like, okay, I can use my hands and I can help, you know, this is a very wide material, meaning there's a lot of words on a line. It's not just a narrow column and I need to track my eyes accordingly. So there's a lot to consider, really, and people don't think about. So it's as much about setting yourself up to be successful, putting yourself in the right environment so you can utilize those skills than it is just about reading fast on a page. Right. And as you were saying that, one silly analogy that kind of popped in my head now is we're going grocery shopping, right? Everybody's a, a little less willing to spend a lot of time outside and a lot of time out in, in public settings. So if you go to a grocery store, it's you kind of need to have a plan versus just kind of bouncing around like a pinball there. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you with speed reading and sort of setting yourself up successful is as it relates to posture. So can you talk about what role, if any, posture plays in giving yourself a better chance to be successful at speed reading, whether it's ergonomics or just general posture or whatever? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, when you say posturing, what I think about is what were you conditioned, what position were you in when you were conditioned to learn? So think about high school, you know, school, college, that chances are there were no beds or couches in those classrooms. <laughs> there were chairs and desks and tables. And, um, and if you were lucky, they were a little bit more comfortable than, than hard chairs. But basically, you were sitting upright at a desk or table. Um, and it also helps to have a table in front of you, especially using your hands or a card. And I will also add here that those are the things that are key for getting into the faster gears because the eyes follow movement. And when you create movement on the page with your hands, you're also engaged, you're physically engaged, actively engaged. You find that you are able to focus better and you're also able to read faster. So sitting upright at a desk or table also allows you to use your hands or a card much more efficiently than even like sitting back in a chair, like Mm -hmm. having your legs crossed and putting it on your lap. That's hard to do. It's like you need to be at the space. Since you asked, since you said that, I'm okay. like, yeah, you really need to be at the space. Okay, okay. And when you mentioned about applying your hands or a card to reading, I imagine that has something to do with allowing yourself to be more immersed in the experience, so you get a more well-rounded version of what you're trying to read, as opposed to just putting eyes on your page. Right. And so here's um, you had asked in in one of the emails you sent is like, what can what can I give to somebody that would be fun for them to do? And this is something that's fun. If you take a blank white card, it could be the backside of a business card that's blank or a blank three by five card or even a piece of paper from a printer. And I say, and I would say to you, okay, where would you like to put this? So I'll ask you, Justin, where would you like to put this on your reading material if I said you can read with this? Where would you put it? Probably under underneath the words, right? Right. And this is where everybody says. And so you're very, you're like everyone else. So this is where I get to teach. This is a teachable right. moment, Justin. You had no idea. <laughs> so under the line is, is great in a way because you're able to then segment out what you are reading in that you can see everything you've already read, which is great for young kids when they're learning to read. But as a mature reader, it says to your brain, oh, don't worry about it. You can go back and double check yourself. Don't, you know, just don't sweat it. And you're also blocking where you're going. 
your eyes can't move any faster. You can't look ahead because you've got this thing blocking you. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So if you're going to use this, you must use it above what you're reading. So, and if you can match the size of the column to the size of the card, or the size of the card to the size of the column, it's even better. So, like a white card can go three by five, and it can also go by like a one by two or something like that. So, it's easier. And so, you go top down, and you then don't have the tendency to go back. You have to trust your brain more, and you can keep moving forward faster. Wow. It's a really... I like that a lot. It's a, it's, it's a very powerful, very powerful tool. Um, and highly recommend it. It makes yeah. total sense. If you have it on the bottom, sort of limiting your ability to move fast. Correct. Right. And then you learn how to focus with it. And that's really what this is about, that using your hands or a card, is it helps you focus, which therefore gives you more concentration. When you have more concentration, you tend to have more comprehension. When you have more comprehension, you have a higher tendency to remember what you've read. <laughs> so it's all connected. It, it all is connected. Exactly. So go buy, go buy a, a stack of three-by-five blank cards. They're awesome. <laughs> see if I can yeah. go in there. My wife has some in her office. I'll see if I can sneak in there. There you go. So one thing I did want to ask you, and I don't want to intrude on any of your course offerings, so if I am, please please stop me. But if someone is looking at starting this process to look at your classes, to look at speed reading, is there a recommendation for the type of material that they would want to start mm-hmm. with to implement some of these techniques? So for me, I'm an avid follower of sports. So for me, would it be best in this instance to go towards articles and books that are sports referenced? Or would it be more practical to focus on other topics? Definitely, you want to use things that are familiar. So if you are not an economist, you don't want to read The Economist as part (laughs) of your, your practice material. Um, So it should be material that is somewhat familiar to you because what you're learning to do is to get your eyes and brain to work in a little bit more of a um, deliberate fashion. And so they're going faster with each other. And so you're trying to get your eyes and brain to talk in a more efficient way. And so that would work very well. So in summation, don't start with Ulysses. Yeah, right. Don't. All right. Good advice, right? Yeah. Now, specifically with your work, since you don't travel as much anymore, mm. can you give people some information as to how and where people can find your work specifically? Well, thank you. I appreciate that opportunity. What um, I suggest is people would check out my website, of course, revituppreading.com. It's R-E-V-I-T-U-P reading.com. And on every page of the website, you will see that it says, you know, free one day access. And I tell people, why don't you check it out for free? You get one module that has um, been given to you for free to see this is how it looks, this is how it, it, you would proceed. And if you like that, then it makes sense that you might want to go and do more of it. And so I always tell people, don't just go buy it, but why don't you check out the course through this one module that you get for free and see if it's something that you want. And take a look around the website. I have my podcast there. They're 18 episodes, really like 10 minutes each one. And um, they're very helpful and educational. I have an audiobook, 10 Days to Faster Reading through Audible. For those that don't want to read, they can, they can listen and <laughs> how to do it. That's <laughs> sort um, of ironic, but I love it. I know. I, I did that about four or five years ago. I was like, why not? You know, people are saying, I don't like to read. I'm like, well, why don't we make it audible for you then? Um, and then, um, yeah, so there's stuff on my website for sure. And I appreciate that people might even want to come and look. So thank you. 
one of the things that I wanted to ask you is that right now you don't spend as much time focusing on the productivity and time management aspects that you used to. But since now, everybody's spending a lot more time in their house than they have over the last several months. I know there's a million articles on Forbes and Ladders and inc.com and tips for being productive at home, all that sort of stuff. But is there something generally speaking, one or two bullet points that you found that has been successful that you've been able to help yourself and help others with? Because I imagine you over your lifetime, you've had a little bit of a unique office, quote unquote, where you don't necessarily punch the eight to five time clock in a cubicle where you're traveling, you're in hotels, you're giving speeches, kind of all over the place. So you've sort of had to work in whatever environment you're put in, whether it's an airplane, a hotel room, the back of a rental car, whatever. So if you found anything over your professional career, regardless of where you are, what type of environment you're in, that's helped you sort of narrow your focus and concentrate and be able to be productive despite everything around you is preventing that. Yeah. So the the one thing I like, I love to get through a pile of material. To me, that there's nothing more satisfying than to, to triage a pile and to find the nuggets that are going to be useful to me. And so here's a really juicy secret that I think uh, your listeners will enjoy, especially if they read a lot of nonfiction business type material, is that everything that you're going to read like that is written, believe it or not, in an outline form. And so all nonfiction starts that way. So when you're reading an article or a book that's nonfiction, all you're reading is a fleshed out outline. So your job as the reader is to find their outline, which is basically found in an introductory paragraph or two, and then headings, and most importantly, are first sentences of paragraphs, just the first sentence. If you read an article and you only read the first sentence of each paragraph and literally stopped when you saw a period and went to skip to the next first sentence down, you will find most of the time, I'm going to say like 98.999% of the time, you're going to find the writer's outline. And it's, it, it just helps you get through material quicker. You get the main ideas. There's so much fluff and too much explanation sometimes that you just don't need. And so you can get through an awful lot by just focusing on, on the first sentences of paragraphs. That's fascinating that you said that because I found myself doing that over the course of time. <laughs> and I think when I was younger, that mm. was one of the things that frustrated me about reading books is that there was so much fluff in each of the pages and paragraphs that there was all this on the front end and the back end, like just give me the actual content. (laughs) Right. Yeah. The last question I have before I give you your next lifelong project, that's going to revolutionize the world. Before I give you that, I had one more (laughs) serious question. So with kids, (laughs) since this is a podcast for dads and my Mm -hmm. child is almost two, so we're just going through Mm -hmm. the very simple books. But when you get to the point when you're teaching your children to read and they need to develop their reading, obviously you need to walk before you can run. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But have you spent any time in your professional career working with children of any age, but not just focus, not just on reading better, but maybe applying some of the speed reading techniques? Yeah, so I I used to do, I don't do it anymore, but I used to do private tutoring with children, um, children, I, I, don't, I shouldn't call that because they are usually by seventh grade or older. Now, my philosophy is that a student, a child needs to experiment with reading in whatever way they need 
to learn as much vocabulary as they possibly can all on their own so that they can have a decent sight vocabulary, meaning you look at a word and you have a really good idea of what it says and what it means. Sure. And so by the age of about 12, which is about seventh grade, a lot of students have a pretty decent sight vocabulary. So I would not recommend my course for any student that's younger than that. I think um, putting pressure on a student or a child to speed read early is not something that I think is really healthy to do. Uh, with that said, there are a few programs that are out there that teach kids really young, and um, I'm, I'm not one to advocate for them, but there are some that do. I think this is more for older people, because we are the ones that have to have a lot more to read than you do when you're like in sixth grade or under. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're still reading fiction up through sixth grade, and then it starts getting tough. In seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, you get all those wonderful textbooks. <laughs> that that's when you that's when you kind of get stuck and go, oh, this isn't fun anymore. So up until seventh grade, you're still reading Lord of the Flies and right, exactly, yep. And then they give you the science textbook, and then it goes to the history textbook, and then you're like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> exactly <not> fun. <laughs> what happened. So as I've said, yeah, I've got the revolutionary mm -hmm. idea here. This is your meal ticket. This is going to change the world. I got paper and pen. Go ahead. You can now take everything, your life's work. You can teach me how to speed binge watch TV on Netflix and everywhere else. <laughs> so maybe it's something like I just listen to the first sentence in every scene and then I can skip to the next one. And in 20 minutes, I got a whole season done. But, the, but what about all the enjoyment you can get from watching those shows? Oh, my gosh. Really? I mean, like, I wouldn't want to do that. You wouldn't want to do that. Do you really? No, I'm just kidding. I'm a huge TV, oh, okay. huge movie fan. Now, I don't know if that, I, I wouldn't recommend that, let's just say. You certainly, so here's the thing. If you can learn how to, to speed read, quote unquote, to be active, mindful, and conscious when you read, then what, what you can do then is have more time to spend watching these shows that you really want to watch. How's that? There, there it is. <laughs> That's the secret, there folks. There it is. Yep. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Justin, for the opportunity. And if I can be of help to anybody who's listening, they can be in touch with me through my website. Happy to help. And what is that website again? One more time. It's uh, revitupreading.com, R-E-V-I-T-U-P, reading.com. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Saturday is Dadder Day podcast. I cannot thank Abby enough for taking time out of her busy day to chat with us. That was really interesting and, and really fun. And uh, it's something maybe we can practice a little bit here as we're still stuck inside for what appears to be the rest of time. So thank you again for listening. Thank you for supporting. So if you have a chance, please give us a positive review. Give us a five-star rating. And tune in next week as we get back to our regularly scheduled interviews with dads. Have a great weekend. And remember, Saturday is is Datterday.